0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. 21 years ago today, four commercial airlines were hijacked mid-flight. Two of them were flown into the north and south towers of the World Trade Center. One was flown into the west side of the Pentagon and the fourth crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania after a struggle between the passengers and hijackers. For those of us who were alive 21 years ago, it was comparable to the JFK assassination or the attack on Pearl Harbor. Everyone remembers exactly where they were when they heard the news. On the line with me is flight attendant Katie Donatelli who was working as a flight attendant 21 years ago today and who was on a plane that flew out of Boston and was scheduled to go to los angeles and but for the grace of god was not one of those hijacked flights thank you for joining me
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Mama Donatelli, I hope you don't mind me giving you that affectionate nickname. Your son, Anthony... Yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. It, makes me, it makes me happy. It does.
0: Good. Your son, Anthony, works with us here at Odyssey, so we know each other. But it wasn't until last year that I realized just how close you were to the events of 9-11. Can you walk us through your story like, and start with what you were expecting that day to be like?
1: It was a short night in Boston. We, overnight, for about nine hours, flew in from L.A., and then we were scheduled on a 767 Delta Airlines to go back to L.A. at, I believe it was around 6 a.m. East Coast time. And we left Chelsea, got to the airport, and took off. And I would say maybe an hour into the flight, and that is still kind of questionable, whether it was an hour, hour and a half. I remember going up to the cockpit, and Candace and I, another flight attendant, I was holding the captain, the first officer's breakfast. She had their orange juice, and it wasn't a big deal to open the cockpit door at that time. So, you know, we got the mm-hmm. door open, and we're ready to hand them their breakfast and their drinks, and all of a sudden the captain kind of gives us the finger, almost like, what's going on? But kind of, you know, he had this this look on his face. And I remember the first officer was looking out the window because the aircraft are scheduled so many miles apart. The aircraft that crashed down in Pennsylvania and our Delta flight, uh, 1989, the radios got crossed over. Air traffic control could not tell what aircraft was what because the terrorists on the, I believe it was United flight that went down in Pennsylvania, could be American, so please forgive me if I'm wrong, they couldn't tell our airplanes apart. So as soon as that one went down and it had gone already out of control, we had the F-15s, the fighter jets, the government had said, sent the fighter jets up to take us down because if they could blow us up, it would cause less damage on earth and Mm -hmm. we would not hurt anybody or, or, you know, crash into a building. So that one crashed within seconds. It all happened so fast. We had the F-15s on both sides of our aircraft ready to take us down. And we got the call and Candace and I are like, we've never heard that call before. And it was get this airplane on the ground or we are going to take you down.
0: And you, at that point, you had no idea what was going on.
1: No clue. With the technology, once we got cell phones and TVs, technology took off. At that point, how many years ago was it? 21? 21. 21 years ago, go back, you know, technology-wise, and it wasn't, we didn't have the live TV. We didn't have that. We weren't able to communicate the way we are today. So, yeah, we had no idea. We're like, what's going on? I remember the captain getting the crash axe. I remember him saying, you know, close the door, we're going on, you know, lockdown. And if something happens when we get on the ground, you blow that flag, you run like heck. And we're thinking, huh, we've never heard this before. <laughs> we're the going. This is so strange. And I remember we're talking to the crew about what's going on. And again, we have no idea what's going on. So next thing you know is, you know, we go down And we land in Cleveland, which is a very small runway. And we were on a very big jet. The rest of America knew what had happened. I mean, the Twin Towers, I'm sure, had already crashed. And it was on TV. We were clueless. Uh, It wasn't until the SWAT team came, we had to land in Cleveland. And then we had to go to, like, the back 40. So in case we had bombs on board, we wouldn't explode and, again, hurt anybody. So air traffic control had us go out to, like, the middle of nowhere. Once we hit that spot... We were to continue to keep in our seats. The captain told the passengers, stay in your seats. SWAT team comes on. They start taking us off, you know, one by one by one by one. We couldn't take our stuff, no belongings. Passengers were on one side, crew was on the other. And once the SWAT team was done with us, then we had to go to the FBI building. Again, hours later, we had no clue what was going on, and none of us had called home. we didn't have our stuff with us oh
0: my goodness
1: so the fbi was that you know that one-on-one and i don't know how much i'm allowed to say on that one but you know once we were released from that now
0: but you were interrogated by the fbi
1: you could say that yeah wow (laughs) everybody and you know you're on different floors and you know my eyes are just like oh my gosh look at this i'm in the fbi building (laughs) why am i here i don't know what i did but again we had no clue what was going on And it wasn't until we got released, then we had to get rides from the FBI to go back to the airport, to get our luggage, to go from the luggage to go to our hotel. So once we got to the hotel, we walked by a bar and we saw people clapping. And we were like, what's everyone clapping for? And we looked on TV and that's when everybody started talking, going, have you heard? Have you heard? Did you see? And we were, you know, speechless, just tears, sadness. Where's my cell phone? I got to call home, get me to the hotel phone. And of course, our families were hysterical, but happy. Delta didn't know to call. I mean, again, it was one of those things you're not prepared for. You go through training. We've never had anything like that ever happen to us. So it was a very, a new procedure, a sad. My heart's broken for the other three sets of crews that never got to come home and say goodbye to their kids and their families. That's hard.
0: Now, to back up a little, you actually came in contact with one of those crews. Can you tell us about that?
1: When we laid over in Chelsea, that's a small city in Boston by the airport, it's where we laid over in our hotel. Because when you have a short layover, we don't want to be driving downtown. So we stayed close by the airport, and we got into the van with a United crew. And the chit-chat's not a lot at that hour, because, again, we all got up at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, our West Coast time Mm. and East Coast time, more people are awake. We are all very tired, but we're like, oh, you know, we're West Coast. And they said, oh, yeah, we're West Coast, too. We're going back to L.A. We said, oh, we're going to L.A., too. And we just kind of it's funny how we said, oh, yeah, we're leaving at six. They're leaving at six. And we walked through the airport, said, bye, have a great day. That was it. Very short, quiet, but nice conversation. But I will never forget it because that was their last conversation that they had probably with somebody.
0: When did you realize just how close you were to everything that was going on?
1: Probably when I talked to my husband. But then the more details I got when I went to meet with my crew that night, because the captain wanted to make sure that we were all okay, debriefing, let's have something to eat, let's take it all in, let's understand what's going on, what's our plan to get back home, knowing we were not going to get home for almost a week after that. Right. Right they kept us for a long time. So what our plan was did not work out. The good news is, again, we did get to go home, but that investigation took a little longer than we anticipated. So I think it all started coming. It was like a puzzle. It was like, I got so many pieces from my husband and I got so many more pieces from the TV. And then I got these pieces from the captain. And he's telling me what he's learned from other pilots and air traffic control and just the details were, they were just coming in so fast. And you were just like, that was me. That was me on that airplane. I, out of the three airplanes, I went on the right one because the other two uh. didn't make it. That's where it's like, oh, what are these? That's, that's what always gets me.
0: So it took you a while to process everything that had happened. Yeah.
1: You kind of go into shock because it's, it's like a near miss. You're here and then something happens to you so close. But again, you're okay. You know, some people say, wasn't your time. You were not, it was not your time, which, you know, I believe. But you still, your heart breaks, it aches, it brings tears to your eyes when you think about that day and how many innocent lives and families mm-hmm. have been affected. And like you said, it's, you will always remember where you were on that day. And my girlfriend told me that night in the hotel, write down everything that you can remember. Write down every detail. Don't worry about spelling or punctuation. Just start writing. And I thought, oh, all well, I'll, I'll write a page. 10, 12 pages later, I mean, I was going through the, the drawers going, I need more pages. I need more pages. And I literally filled up a little notebook. And I remember that next morning I went downstairs and grabbed a couple newspapers going, wow. Seeing the pictures broke my heart. See, turning over the pages and seeing the firefighters and seeing what was going on in New York and seeing what was going on in Pennsylvania and how the people in, I think, the United flight actually said, they were able to call home. The passengers were, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, we're going to take them down, but chances are we're not going to come home. Oh, I couldn't imagine that phone call. My kids were, Anthony was in sixth grade, and Nikki was in second grade, and I remember calling the school, asking the teachers, please keep in mind, their mom is a flight attendant. I am not home. I can't come home right now. They don't quite understand, especially Nikki, the young one. He didn't grasp what was going on, but Anthony sure did. Right and he was asking where's mom where's mom why can't she come home and that was tear jerking just constantly because i couldn't tell him when i was going to come home
0: had you been in contact with your family at that point
1: at that night that night once we were able to get our stuff back but it wasn't until that evening what was that phone call like
0: to say that i'm okay
1: you know what for me i was okay when i heard my husband oh see i'm going to get emotional now <sighs> when i heard his voice <laughs> sorry <laughs> Just screaming in shock because I guess they hadn't, there was no details on our airplane. It was just the Boston, LA flights have crashed. You know, it was American, it was United, and American and United, but nothing on Delta. And <sighs> I fly for Delta. And so he was kind of confused, like, okay, well, where is she? Where is she? Why hasn't she called home? Why hasn't she called home? And, you know, he didn't realize that all my personal stuff was taken from me. We weren't allowed to have our cell phones our luggage, we had nothing. So when I called him, I was going to tell him, baby, you didn't believe my day. It was (laughs) crazy. And he was just, you know, (laughs) yelling, frantic, happy, crying. He's telling his mom's okay, mom's okay. And I remember going, oh, God, you got to call your dad. He's been crying all day. He doesn't know what's going on. And it was a happy, hard, sad, are you sure you're okay? You know, that was hard. And then, of course, my dad. Um. And I was raised by my dad, so... That was a tough phone call. I thought it was just going to be like, "Hi, Dad, that you know I'm okay," and you know he had gone through the process of I think I just lost my daughter.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, that was hard.
0: I'm speaking with Katie Donatelli, who was working as a flight attendant on the morning of 9/11. I remember your son Anthony telling us that day about watching his dad being glued to the TV and just and he didn't realize that at the time, but your husband was like you said, trying to get information about which flight it was and yeah. they weren't mentioning Delta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even imagine what that day must have been like for him and, and for, your, for your sons.
1: Yeah, because I was supposed to come home and pick the kids up from school and, you know, you, you have your routines and you think, OK, well, I might be delayed to an hour or two. But yeah, that was I, I can't imagine. I felt so bad for my family because I could not help them I didn't know what was going on. I mean, none of us knew the extent, the devastation, the sadness, what myself and my crew was going through versus what my family is going through, what the rest of the world on the ground watching TV at home. It's still it's two totally different emotions. They're watching like, oh, my gosh, and, you know, I had no clue. And then it was given to me in little pieces. And it wasn't until, like, the end of the day. So my poor family had to go the entire day. But, again, it was just that day that was really hard for us. But, you know, thankfully I'm still flight, time. I'm still here. <sighs> That's a
0: good thing. And a week later, when you were able to go home, what was that like to be reunited with your family after everything that oh, had happened?
1: Yeah. When we finally did come home, I'll never forget. And it was a huge celebration at LAX when we did get to come home. <sighs> that was one celebration that we weren't expecting. And base manager, the chief pilot, I mean, everybody was there to greet us and congratulate us. The one thing I know that stood out was, you know, the happiness that we came home and cheering people, which was really sweet. But driving home, the flags, people had the American Mm. flags out everywhere. You know, I was just, that was emotional. You, You think of flags on 4th of July, Memorial Day, and Veterans Day, but here they were, everyone, it was like a sea of flags as I'm driving home on the freeway and you go by homes and it was like, wow, and then. I have the best neighbors in the world. When I pulled up, they all came running out, and, and my husband was out. My kids were out, and that was really sweet.
0: Sometimes I feel mm-hmm. like some of my emotions from that day may have subsided. I mean, not certainly not completely. I know they're always going to be yeah. there, but maybe not as strong. But then the anniversary of 9-11 rolls around, and I realize, nope, these emotions are just as strong and as raw and as painful as they were 21 years ago. Has that been your experience?
1: It is. There's a movie that came out that they did, I don't know if it's a movie or it was on something, and it was about the United flight and how the passengers took it over, and our Delta flight was, was also incorporated in that, because we were the two that got the radios intertwined. They could not tell what airplane was talking to air traffic control. And I think of that, I remember seeing that, and I just think it, it, it's still it's an emotion that it's hard to describe, that just goes through your entire body. It gives you chills. It takes you back. I mean, just talking about, I'm having little flashbacks. I remember seeing the TV screens and I remember watching as the airplanes would go in and I'd go, that's enough. Don't need to see anymore. I will not sit and watch it. I think it still hits too close to home.
0: And you still don't watch footage of what happened?
1: No, no, no. I can't imagine a family could ever even watch that too. It's No, I can't. I mean, that's, it's like your office, it's your airplane, it's your it that's where you work, that's your jet, and I go on that every week. And right now I'm on a trip right now. And to the thought of that is just awful.
0: Like you said, you're still working as a flight attendant. How has the travel industry changed since nine eleven? And do you find yourself doing things differently as a result?
1: Coming back after nine eleven, we I ended up seeing a therapist and so did the rest of my crew. So we did not come right back to work. It took us at least six months Mm -hmm. that where you know your therapist had to sign off, going, okay, he or she is okay. Our first officer ended up quitting. Our captain ended up retiring. There was another flight that maybe two flight tens ended up quitting, and everyone was like, you know what, life's too short. No, I'm not going to do this. Where you know, I'm a missile into a a, Mm -hmm. a building. They had a different thought process. You know, terrorists are being trained to do this. I'm not interested. I took the time off and I guess I, you know, everyone kind of takes it differently. I ended up being right. okay, but I thought, okay, I just don't want to work full time. Let me go back to work and see how I do. My husband had a hard time with it. And it, that was a real rough patch in our marriage, I would have to say, because he was like, no, I don't want you doing that. I want you to be home. I'm not ready to go through that again. Right. So that was tough. That was very strange. You'd go through the airport and it was almost like the twilight zone. People quit flying. People had mm-hmm. the same, they were like, oh, heck no. If terrorists are learning to fly, I'm not going to fly. You know, that's when we started doing more conference calls because business people were not traveling. And it was like walking through, it was like the twilight zone. You'd walk through the airport and there was nobody. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is really strange. It doesn't feel good. And it's funny because we had that same twilight zone feeling again with COVID. Either everybody flies or nobody flies. Right. And so that little COVID time was like a little flashback. And you're like, oh wow, this kind of brings me back to that time where it was a little nerve wracking. Is
0: it strange to you that 9-11 was so long ago that the kids who were reading about it in their history books in high school and college weren't even born when it happened? (sighs)
1: Yes. In fact, our first officer that quit, his wife had just had a baby. And I remember on that flight, he was like, yeah, I want to get home. We just had a newborn and I want to give my wife a break. And I saw him at uh, Children's, Delta does a lot of uh, charity work, and I like to dive in in the Children's um, Hospital because I just love being around little people. And so I was there, and I came in my uniform, and we were around the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, and I saw our first officer, and he says, do you remember me? And I was like, no. And, you know, he told me his name, and I said, oh, my gosh, he goes, yeah, I was your first officer on September 11th. And I said, Oh, my gosh, how's your baby? And he goes, my baby's 21. (laughs) It's like, he was a baby. And that was the reason why he had quit because he wanted to be a dad. And he said, I'll go into the family business, I will not fly. And when I think of his son, all grown up, it's like, wow, it's been that long.
0: What would you say to those students who are reading about it as history and not as something that they lived through. What would you say about how it changed the USA?
1: I think people will be there. The more information we get, and I think we're better to stick together and we work more as a team. When you find that there's other people that are bad, that are not here to do good, and they're trying to take something over or they see somebody being hurt, I think people now are more willing to get up, get involved, and make a barrier and say, "Hey, no, this is not going to happen." I think before September 11th, I think maybe one or two people would get up. Today, I think more people would actually get up and say, "No, you know, we're going to stick together and we're not going to let this happen." I would think that's the positive. And you know, I hope everybody's been a little bit more vigilant. I know that there's, you know, there's policies that have changed in the airlines and the flying industry and. You know, it's it's a learning. It's a learning curve, too. We all have to learn from it, which is, you know, it's a hard thing. And it's like, OK, what do you want me to learn from this? OK, don't get complacent again.
0: I've been speaking with Katie Donatelli, who was working as a flight attendant on the morning of September 11th. Any last thoughts for us? I'm so happy to be
1: here. <laughs> I'm happy to talk to you. I'm happy that I got to raise my boys and I get to see them raising their families. And I will never forget all the crews, the families that we lost, and I'm in New York City right now, and they did an outstanding job on the memorial for 9-11. If you haven't seen it, please come visit. It's beautiful, it's touching, it's amazing, and it will take your breath away.
0: Mama Donatelli, I want to let you know how glad I am that you're still here, and thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me.